Welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. And before we get to this week's episode, I, of course, as always, want to thank my incredible patrons, uh, Rob, Case, and MJ. Thank you for your support. If you, too, would like to get a shout-out at the top of the episode, you can go over to patreon.com stormageddon and join in at the $5 level or higher to get a shout-out right here. Um, though any about amount of money helps it all goes right back into this show and my streaming um, as well as my other podcasts pretty much whatever that requires money that I'm creating these days um, beyond that if you want to show your support and can't afford to give monetarily I totally understand times are tough these days um, for myself included so a review rating uh, or sub on your favorite podcast platform especially Apple iTunes helps a huge amount um, helps to get the podcast featured helps people to notice it. So uh, thank you for that if you have the time. On to this week's episode. I am talking to the incredible, prolific Megaran. Uh, Megaran and I last chatted, I believe, in episode 22, which is so long ago. Uh, I think we did the math. It was four or five years ago, more than that. Uh, we talk about it at the top of the episode. It's insane how far we both come. We've both done a lot since then. Uh, and we chat quite a bit about it. It's always great to catch up with Mega Ran. I'm a huge fan, honored to call him a friend, and so excited for you to hear my chat with him. So here is me and the incredible, prolific Mega Ran. Thanks for having me, dude. Um, I went back in the backlog of autographs, and I said to you in email as well, the last time we spoke was in May of 2015. At that time, Random, R and DM, hadn't even come out yet. You were just starting to promote it. I think you might have had a single, but like we were mostly talking about stuff you'd done with Storyville, and we were talking about you know your early records and the Mega Man stuff and like both of us have done so much and so long and like looking at your band camp now there's so much music and it's so awesome I, I think I want to start with actually talking about what you did with Lars recently the Dewey Decibel system and the nomination you both got for a Grammy well I gotta stop you there it wasn't a nomination we were shortlisted for Grammy nomination oh. so basically we're like the nomination before the nomination uh, which is still cool, but they usually pick about a hundred, and then they bring bring that down to like what is it four uh, actual nominees. Oh. So it was the first stage of the nomination process, which I think was awesome. It, it's so confusing, which is why most people don't actually <laughs> announce <laughs> when that happens because it's like you're nominated for a Grammy, whoa! And it's like, well, not exactly, uh, but. <laughs> We're on their radar, which I think is still amazing for an independent release by two nerdcore artists in what people consider to be like a niche genre. It's, um, yeah, it, it was a really, really awesome experience. I'm super proud of the record. We, um, we, we sold it and marketed it as a children's album. And, um, right. and yes, it was considered one of the top children's releases of that time period, which I think was really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, and what's really great about that record, I mean, well, you and Lars are two of the most wholesome humans I've ever met. And so for the two of you to collab on a record together just made perfect sense, you know? 
I thought so. I mean, we we traveled together so much. Uh, there's so many similarities. We're both English majors. We love books. We love reading. And um, throughout our travels, we would wind up collaborating like on every project. So it was like, oh, well, this only makes sense. Like We should probably get together and do something as a full length. And we did, and it took a long time, you know, we did a uh, Kickstarter and luckily people were still into it, you know, and it was, the response was overwhelming. I got to say like bigger and better than we even could have thought, you know, the amount of people who wanted to see an album about books. And uh, I just thought, wow, like, all right, let's do this. And so we locked ourselves in the studio for a week in Brooklyn and uh, knocked it out, just did the preliminaries. Um, after we had recorded our like, separate parts at our own homes, we then got together and recorded it in a big studio just so we would have it all together and sounded great. And uh, man, the guests came through. I mean, from MC Frontalot, Quelle Chris, the, so many great producers. Uh, man, it was just a really, really, um, I think, such a team effort and uh, something that we both really worked really hard on and um I'm glad people enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it's what's really fascinating to me about hip hop on the broad and nerdcore specifically is just when you think there couldn't possibly be a song about something, someone has made it or wants it made, you know? There's such diversity in the fandom as well as within the artists that's kind of incredible from all kinds of topics. That's really true. Uh, I guess I haven't thought about it that way, but there's literally something for everybody. You know, there's music or a song for anyone who's into any sort of thing. So uh, so whether it's books, whether it's music, whether it's, you know, a toy or that you really loved or a, any sort of fandom, um, we've been able to make, you know, just make some really good strides in creating music that's not only fits for people who are a fan of that thing, but can also work the other way and make people fans of the thing that we're even talking about. You know, I've had so many people tell me after hearing Black Materia that they wanted to learn more about Final Fantasy VII or that they weren't fans, but that they we became fans of it after hearing someone's passion for it. So the same can happen for literature, for sure. And it's wild to me, too. Some, I mean, as someone who grew up with Final Fantasy VII also, it's like for someone to not have heard of it and then heard it through your record and we're like, oh, I'm going to check that thing out. You know, one, it dates us a little bit, makes us feel a little older, whereas like, what's Final Fantasy? But, um, but I'm glad you bring up Black Material also because there's been a lot of talk about it. I mean, you are now, if I'm not, if I'm correct, in the process of remastering it kind of you know, in this, remaking it in the same way that the game is being remade. Yes. Um, and, and you ran a campaign for it, a successful campaign to, to remake Black Materia. And was that inspired by the remake of the game that you wanted to revisit this record that you had made? Oh, absolutely. I just wanted, you know, you don't get a lot of second chances in music. And um, I knew that, you know, with this being a release that I knew was going to be super, you know, instrumental to me just like the original was, um, we wanted to celebrate that the best way we could. But also, I know that the first time I recorded Black Materia in 2010, uh, I didn't know nearly as much as I do now about recording techniques and mixing and mastering and, and vo getting vocal captures and, you know, and uh, what plugins and things like that. And even rhyming, you know, and uh, all those different things, you know, technique wise. Um, so I just wanted to put a new coat of paint on it. You know, I'm very proud of the original 
but I know that I recorded it in my closet on some cracked software. You know, I was on Cool Edit <laughs> Pro, uh, you know, and a, and a cheap $50 condenser mic. And um, and now that I know more, you know, my mom says, you, you know better, you got to do better. And so yeah. now that I know better, uh, I want to do better and make this thing bigger and, and more awesome than it was before. Um, so it's been quite a bit of challenges trying to put it together because some of the artists that were on it are not as easy to find five, uh, yeah. you know, nine, ten years later. Um, but uh, some of them are not making music anymore. Some of them, you know, their families and they're into other things. So I've had to do some replacements. And uh, and but I'm honestly thinking right now it's probably about 75 percent done, maybe more than that. And uh, I think it's far better than the first. Like, it's very, very amazing like it feels so uh new to me and that's really what i wanted but also i was afraid of baking something that people will ultimately compare to the original and a lot of people sure. tell me oh black material is a classic it's such a beautiful body of work and i feel that way too and but uh i just want people to realize that it's different you know the same way that when, the more I read about Final Fantasy VII Remake, the, almost, the more I don't want to read about it because I just want to enjoy it again and appreciate it for it being something different. Uh, but I'm sure that if a storyline change happens, people will be like, well, it wasn't like that before. And, oh, man, I don't... It isn't the FF7 that I remember, you know. So I feel like there's a very good chance of that happening. So I'm actually nervous about the response because it is different. Some of the songs are shorter, some are longer, some have different verses some have you know extended bridges and you know things like that so i wanted it to feel different so that if you knew and you thought you knew the original you you get to be surprised you know and i hope that they're doing that with the game as well yeah totally i i mean it's a shock to me that people on the internet might get outraged that a thing they grew up with changed that never happens um (laughs) but 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 that said like I get it, right? Like, I was even hesitant to play the remake demo, which I have since played, because I was like, what if I don't like it? What if I, you know, what if it's ruined? And, and like, it was it was silly to fear because it's being made with the same care and heart, and it ultimately, I loved the demo. I loved the changes because the care is there. And I think for your fans, speaking as a fan, like, I think people will respond positively to Black Material Remake because you're putting the same heart and soul, if not more into this newer version. And even though it's going to be different, it's coming from the same passion and place that the original did. And so, you know, I think that, I think it's exciting that you get a chance to revisit something with more skill and more knowledge. I mean, it's a little bit like this interview, right? Like the last time we chatted for autographs, it was on a cell phone with a built in app phone recorder sounding like a radio station. And now I have an RE 20. I have a professional setup. You do, I mean, you probably always did, but definitely more professional now than even five years ago, I'm sure. And so, like, it's exciting when you get to take something that's good and use your knowledge to make it better. Absolutely. It's um, it's a good thing. And I think I just hope people think, look at it the way we both do. Like, well, it doesn't have to be better or worse. It's just different. It's just a new uh, chapter in that same story that we love. So. Uh, but yeah, once you once you have a better knowledge of music and technology, I feel like you should, you know, do your best to create. And like I said, you don't get a lot of second chances, especially in music. 
um, to remake something. And, and luckily, that's why I didn't want to do it unless there was a fan demand, which is why we did a Kickstarter uh, campaign, because I didn't want to just do it for myself. I wanted to make sure that people actually wanted this. And and they did. So they really came came out and went above and beyond. And I'm really glad they did now that now that I'm out of work and my entire schedule has been wiped out. Um, yeah, the fact that we, you know, exceeded our goal is, is, is great now, you know, where I'm like, oh, good, I can pay bills this month, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's uh, extremely uh, helpful. And uh, and, you know, I'm nervous about it, but I still believe that everyone's going to love it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, it, and it's funny you bring that up. I mean, we're recording at a time where everything's uncertain, right? You as a touring artist and a musician, like your bread and butter is going out in the world. And right now we can't. Um, I wanted to ask what you're doing to kind of stay sharp and keep creating like has has being uh, a social isolating inspired you in any way? Have you thought of any music you wanted to write to express this? Have you been able to like, maybe focus or train on a craft that you weren't super sharp with now that you have the extra time? Yeah, absolutely. I've been spending more time learning uh, video production, video editing. Um, I'm also, I set up a home studio. I repaired my PC. Um, I'm, I'm definitely picking up new skills. I'm doing new things. I'm reading more books. Uh, so I'm doing my best to keep more things going and just learning more and more. And uh, and I'm really excited about it. I think that learning is definitely the thing the way to the thing to do now that you have the time because all we do as adults is talk about how much how little time we have you know and now we have some time so why not pick up and learn something new yeah totally i mean it it's it's kind of funny right like if you had asked me you know 3 months ago well so here's the thing that blew my mind a friend of me told me yesterday do you know that pax east was 3 weeks ago and i went i'm sorry what like, it just seems like it's a year ago, almost. Like, <laughs> Seriously. I ran into you there on the floor, and I was thinking about, oh, it's been so long since I've seen Ran. I'm gonna so excited to talk to Oh, wait, no, I only saw him, like, three weeks ago. Like, it's insane how time is warped based on what's going on right now. Seriously, that feels like another lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> um, talking a little bit about PAX East, I know you were there. I know you got to perform. Uh did you see any cool games there while you were there that you really dug? Uh, yeah, I played Dunk Lords, um, which is out now on the Steam. So I've been playing that. That's a lot of fun. I also played Retromania, this wrestling game that looks really cool. Um, got a chance to play Mixer. Is it no Fuser? That's it. Fuser. Uh, mm-hmm. Fuser. The, the and I, as a person who's just learned DJing, like in the last <laughs> like seven eight months has learned how yeah. to be a basically average DJ. Um, <laughs> the game is it's really cool. It's a little easier yeah. than I thought it would be, but um, but I think that's a good thing. So uh, being able to play those were, were cool. I had already played FF7, and, um, and most of the time I spent there was just kind of walking around and doing some, uh, we did a couple panels, but, uh, but I did get to play a couple games. And uh, gosh, what was that? Uh, what's the... There's a space RPG. Um, Star Renegades. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, dude. That's my favorite thing I played there. That looks so good. Yeah. yeah I equate it to a Octopath Traveler, but in space, because it had the same kind of like parallaxing, almost 16-bit mm-hmm. graphics. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that was my game of show. Uh, I, I loved it. I could have sat and played it all day. Like, the demo was just phenomenal. And the first question I asked the creator was like, so this is coming to Switch, right? Because this is a perfect Switch game. And it's like, it's on our list. We really want it to, but we have to, like, bend it to fit. And so, yeah. like, it's on the list. I, I hope so. I can't wait because it, it really looks good. That might be my game of show as well. That and Streets it's of Rage 4, which I really like too. Oh, I didn't get to play it. Is it good? Does it live up to the hype of like previous Streets of Rage? It does, but I, I'm, I need to hear sound. I want to hear music, and that's the thing. And I, I yeah. couldn't hear the music. And uh, Streets of Rage is, to me, the music is, is just as important as the gameplay. So I want to reserve judgment until I hear the music. That's legit. I remember, I can still, you mentioned Streets of Rage, and 2 is the one that stands out the most for me. That's the one I probably played the most. And, like, I can hear the boss theme in my head now. Like, that kind of warbly, like, bassy track. Uh, that game had some incredible music. Yeah. Um, I want to shift gears. You mentioned wrestling briefly and talk a little bit about how, since we last spoke, you went from being a fan of wrestling to being quite a bit more involved in wrestling. Wow. Okay, so it was 2015 when we talked. I think you're right. I um, I just saw a Facebook like memories post from 2015 of this time of year, and I and I was and I my update said in a surprise development, I'm going to WrestleMania, and um, <laughs> and I got so excited because that was when Xavier Woods literally yep. called me like three days before WrestleMania, and said. Hey, do you want to come? And I said absolutely, <laughs> and uh, and so I did, and got like the full like family and friends treatment, and it was like insane, such a fun time. And I think that was really what kind of sparked it for me, where I was like, this is something that I love, but also like I want to be a part of it. And I have to say, Xavier did such a great job of of as they say putting me over to the guys because when <laughs> I would run in, when we would run into wrestlers, and I'm just like too starstruck to talk he would say oh this is the guy i've been telling you about like the awesome rapper who does video games remixes he's so good and they're like really i heard your stuff you know guys like samoa joe and guys like roman and and rusev would come up and like yeah, this is the guy you've been talking about and i'm like oh crap you know so it's amazing so yeah that was insane so i gotta really thank him for that like he he did a, such an awesome job of, of like introducing me to them and um and so that kind of helped with my not just my uh got over my little fears but it turned me then into a position where i was like i gotta find a way to be a part of this you know <laughs> and uh, i think from there is when uh, that 2015 yeah it was 2015 i went to okay so i didn't have a matt mania album out that year but that end of that year I went to another pay-per-view and the after the pay-per-view I wanted to talk about the pay-per-view so I started the podcast Matt Mania. Yep. So it was 2015 yep. the night after Night of Champions and then 2016 Mania comes around I was like, "Oh, well it'd be cool if I did a mixtape about the wrestling themes that I like and just and from there it just all snowballed, you know. It went from me making music to then just a year ago, being in the ring at Ring of Honor's uh, anniversary show and then at the uh, Festival of Honor uh, Supercard show and getting in, like, involved with storylines with actual wrestlers and, 
you know, it's just a dream come true. Like, I can't even understand this. Like, this is my life, but I don't <laughs> believe it, you know. Um, it's pretty insane, you know, to go from a person who was watching this stuff from as a kid in the 80s to have walked the ramp and been in the ring at a wrestling event doing the... Uh, so that was that was 2017, yeah, the um, the rap battle um, on SmackDown. So like, it's just been an insane ride. And um, but honestly, I just applied the same mentality that I my entire life, which was take the thing that you really love and and try to try your best to make it a part of your work, you know. And uh, and that's really what I've done. Whether it's been video games, comic books, anime, to pro wrestling. You know, just taking the things that I love and just making it a bigger part of my work. And now my work doesn't feel so much like work, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny being someone who knew you on the periphery and seeing like you posting about the things that happened in the ring and like all of the stuff. Like I as someone who grew up with wrestling as well, I don't watch it enough now, but like I loved it back in the Attitude Era. Like I loved The Undertaker. I grew up watching, you know, when Kane came and the Ministry of Darkness and that era. But like getting to see you and like Schaefer and Bunny get so invested in wrestling again, like I'm living vicariously through y'all. Like I try and watch it when I can and it's still really cool, but like seeing you guys get to like live the dream or interact or like, you know, Bunny's 15 minutes of fame with uh, Seamus's daddy. Like, all of that stuff is so dope. And it reminds me what I loved most about wrestling was like how, like, everything with the fans and how good they are to the fans and how incredible that um, the showmanship of it all is. Absolutely. That, that's been a, a, just a dream to me. Like, I can't even imagine have uh, thinking this would be a possibility, you know, but. Now to, to go from like people knowing who I am to Kenny Omega wearing my shirts in the ring uh, to like just this insane like connections. And usually it's come from video games, to be honest. And because uh, most of them are huge gamers and we wind up just talking about video games. Anytime I'm ever in a conversation with a wrestler, it usually goes to video games. And, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just really happy to have that commonality. Man, video games has done so, so much for me. Like I can't even begin to state like from getting over shyness and to making friends in the first place to to continuing even as an adult to make friends through gaming has just been insane yeah i mean video games is probably the thread that connects me to the people that i've met i mean autograph started out as a music interview series and while it'll always be that it is its core it's grown beyond it but like i met Frontalot and Schaefer and guys like you and Lars because like you did tracks or things about games and I was like oh shit that's dope I didn't know you could do music about video games and now meanwhile like now it's everywhere it feels like but there was a time where that was the thing that got me talking to people and it's funny that a lot of my conversations now on the podcast go back to either music or video games even if the person I'm talking to isn't isn't doesn't make games or doesn't make music which i think is also really interesting it feels like a connecting thread you know um and and while we're talking about podcasts actually i want to talk about your podcast which i happen to really love random encounters which you started you started that last year yeah yes i have which is funny because 
right before I talk to you, I just recorded two new episodes. Um, I am. That's another thing that I've like committed myself to is being more consistent with the episodes. I have been. Um, I just wanted to kind of talk. That was just one of these things where I love podcasts, but I don't always love or have an hour and a half to sit through a podcast. So sure. I just want to get something quick, some little, you know, food for thought, some little nuggets that I can take along on my day. So I just decided to make random encounters about these little lessons that I've learned in my travels. So sometimes it's a moment that's right on the tip of my tongue because it happened yesterday. Like the moment that I got negative feedback on my Star Wars track and I almost deleted it or about, you know, the the time when I was young and I attempted it was attempting to, you know, promote my music in the wrong ways. So it's little lessons that I've learned that I've um, that I thought could be helpful to other people. So I write them out like an essay and then usually I read them and give some thoughts. And um, and it's now since grown you know, so now um, I have guests. Now I take voicemails from friends or fans that have maybe something to add to the program. Um, so, yeah, just trying to make it more inclusive as well as still being like educational and entertaining and under 30 minutes. That is my goal. <laughs> yeah, I I, that, I started out wanting to have goals like that, but I found that uh, longer form conversations just for me are easier to have. But that said, like, I think what I love about random encounters most, especially when you're just telling stories, is that it's engaging. Like, I like storytelling events. I like um, the moth and things like that. And random encounters feels like the moth, but just Megaran. You know, it's just you telling stories about things you've learned. And, and as someone who knows you, it's really interesting to hear things that even in all the conversations we've had, I've never learned, you know, which is always fun to learn new things about people that you know. And I think it's a great way that you do it. You know, it feels very natural. Thank you. And a lot of them are stories that I'm saving for a book, maybe, and uh, things mm -hmm. like that. And I'm like, well, I can give a little part of that story as a, you know, just as a test of what like an audio book would sound like if, um, if I was telling these stories. And yeah, I love telling stories. People tend to tell me that they enjoy me telling stories as well. And um, and that's always what I want to hear from like my favorite people. I want to hear stories about how they got there, like the little things that they had to get through and they had to learn along the way and uh, the decisions they had to make that kind of shaped who they were. Like, I really enjoy that stuff. So I just wanted to provide that to the to the marketplace, if you will. Um, just a thing that I would really enjoy. Yeah, totally. And I think like your music has reflected that too. I mean, uh, your album Random and even one of your newer records, Ages, Volume 1, are very personal. I mean, all of your stories are pretty personal, but like when you're writing a song about Splash Woman, you're, you're, in the, you're the character of Mega Man in that story, whereas these other records are you telling your story and sharing your thoughts. Um, and I think the podcast bleeds from a lot of that kind of more personal storytelling. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Ages Volume 1, which I'm assuming if it's Volume 1, that means we're getting a Volume 2 at some point. We got to get a Volume 2. I can't call it Volume 1 and not have a 2. Um, <laughs> honestly, my plan at that time, and I don't know if it'll still happen, was to make seasonal EPs. You know, the cover is a winter mm -hmm. scene. Um, so I want the songs to be kind of wintry. Um, yeah. They're about like my feelings and a lot more of like stay at home snuggle type stuff or reminiscing or stories. But 
I would like to make a spring version of ages as well as a summer version and uh, and then a autumn version. So I do believe that'll happen. They may not all happen in the same like calendar year, but I, <laughs> but I do think that they will happen. So I think if anything, I've been listening to songs that I have now, like if we are still at home in the next couple of months, uh, then a spring ages will probably happen. <laughs> right. If you can't get out, you're going to be probably more inclined to write something about getting out for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, it was just more of me just um, I like to make little, you know, I guess they call them time capsules where this is just a moment of where you are at that time. You know, whether, whether writing, whether creatively, whether mentality wise, I just wanted something to reflect the times that we were in at that moment, which was, I guess, like late November 2019. And um, and yeah, so I'm really proud of it, the way it came out. Um, and I got a chance to work with a lot of people that I hadn't worked with before. Uh, Mickey Fax is on there. Sky Blue is on there. Uh, my crew, the Writers Guild. Um, Fresh Kills, an amazing DJ who did a, a poet from Random Album, which was probably one of my favorite tracks from that. Um, did another like heartfelt jam, which was Latchkey, and uh, mm-hmm. and that's probably my yeah. favorite record from there. It's just I love to be able to tell those stories from childhood that I think have made me kind of a better person or who I am uh, through those stories, but also just extremely relatable. Like it was a record where I didn't uh, one day on the tour, and I think it was just because we had a we didn't have a great turnout, and we're in Richmond, Virginia, and it's cold. And we're just kind of not sleepwalking through the set, but when we when it's a chance to experiment, I usually take those moments to experiment. So if it's a smaller crowd, I'll play new songs or I'll live stream the show just so that I'm not alone on stage. Um, I'll do something to make it fun for me. And that was playing that song. And when I played Latchkey in that crowd, the people there, and even though there were like 15 of them, they all like perked up and they were so attentive and people like the bar staff walked in and was, were listening. Like, I mean, it was just like a moment where I really felt like, oh, wow, this is a song that's really special. So I should start performing this. And uh, but before that, I wasn't planning on performing it. I just thought it was too personal. But yeah. but a lot of people will come to me and be like, man, like I relate to that, like being a latchkey kid and, you know, having the house to yourself and being able to make those important decisions. And, you know, I I, I didn't realize like how simple it was and how like everyone else had also gone through that and would love to hear stories about that. Yeah, it's it's always surprising what personal stories people will relate to. Right. You You tell stuff from the heart, but you can't predict what what songs or stories people will latch on to. Has there ever been at a show, have you ever gotten a request either online or at a show that you were completely blindsided by, like a song that you just thought nobody wanted to hear live? Oh, yeah. That that kind of happens all the time. Um, sometimes <laughs> I feel like it's, maybe it's a troll. Like it's not a song that people really want to hear. But I I think I know best like what songs do well live, but I honestly right. don't. You know, even though I think I do, um, I really don't. So there's one song that I get requests for called 2K10 uh, on the Forever Famicom album, which is yep. basically a retelling of a little known and 
frankly not a very good game called Street Fighter 2010. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the story was ridiculous. It's about Ken from Street Fighter becoming a scientist, and <laughs> and like it, it's it's super ridiculous. But uh, but I think I did a good job of making it interesting by retelling it and and kind of because they don't give you anything in the instruction manual. So I took a lot of liberties to make a really fun story out of this, you know. And people really enjoy it, and they're like, "This is this this is one you should do with a show." But it has no chorus, and I feel like playing something live that has no chorus is almost pointless. It's like yeah. putting a putting gas in a car that's already full. Like, where what do you do? What are you supposed to do during the chorus? Everybody just sits around. Like, I don't know. So I didn't I didn't think it would make a good live song, but people have called it out, and I'm like, no way. Like, do you really want to hear that? And I'm like, maybe you know, maybe people really just want to hear storytelling at a show. And it doesn't have to fit into a song format to do so. Um, but I just have an, an idea in my head of what a Mega Ranch show should look and feel like. And so to me, it doesn't fit into that. But yeah. now that we're you know talking about doing live online like shows from home, I may be able to experiment a little bit and try something new and see how it sounds in this you know format. And it might actually work and, and change the way I perform live. Who knows? Yeah, and I mean, talking about your live show, because um, I know touring artists often have different answers for this. When you put together a set list, do you decide for this tour, I'm going out, you know, the Rushmore Nerdcore tour, I'm doing this set every night, or do you change it up, or do you decide on the fly? No, uh, well, a little bit of a little bit of all three actually. I I set up a set beforehand, and then I almost always change it. Um, I have it set. I'm like, oh, I'm playing these 10 songs. They're going to love it. And then I get three songs in and I'm like, "Mm, the flow exactly wasn't what I thought it would be. So um, I try to make sure, you know, I start with some high energy stuff. I move into some storytelling late in the show. And then I bring you up again with the final song, maybe Splash Woman or something. So um, that's usually my plan. So if a song doesn't fit within that, then I have to really make some adjustments or I just have to make some cuts. But um, if I'm headlining, I'll make I'll leave a moment for requests toward the end of the set. So I, I make sure to do that. But um, I saw an interview with Drake and he said, and Drake is not nearly a person I should be getting any performance advice from <laughs> because we don't exactly have the same issues. But right. um, But Drake said something interesting. He said that if... If he can't end the show with his current new song, like new single, then his album has failed. He feels like if he has to end with an older song, then hmm. then he then it's not a successful album or run because that previous and Drake has a ton of hits. So, yeah. like a literal ton. He has been making hits for 10 years. So, I feel like any of them could end off a show and be a smash. But for him, he feels like you got to play the newest stuff. And the newest one, has, you have to treat it the same way you would that those old hits. And so I don't think about that at all. And when I do, it just makes me sad. I'm like, oh, no, I've been playing the same song for 10 years. You know, like Splash Woman is my ending because it's the only song I've written like Splash Woman. And that's intentional. Yeah. You know, I've never tried to recreate Splash Woman, you know, so 
Therefore, it it is a song that has a completely different vibe than anything else I've ever done. And it has a, a built-in move that most people may know to put your hands up and make a wave, yeah. you know, and sing along. So it's been crafted over time to be the ending song, you know, and I don't and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I've I've definitely created it to do that for me. And uh and I'm I'm actually really happy that I was able to do that. Yeah, I mean that makes sense to me. And I, like even the first time I ever saw you live, I heard Splash Woman live and I was like, "Oh, this song is dope." And I heard it on the album, and it's still great on the album, but it's just not the same. The vibe of that track live, the way it pumps, the way it moves is all about that live experience. And I think it's one of those songs that thrives from that, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I've tried to do it first at some shows and I'm like, mm, "Nah, it doesn't quite work." <laughs> you know, like let's just get it over with, like play the hit. And uh, but then I have other artists who say, no, play the brand new stuff first so that just in case people are coming in late, they they don't miss their their song. Like, don't play the hit first, you know, because yeah. people someone in the crowd is going to yell out for you to play it when you already played it. And that's just going to make you upset. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I, I feel like also at the end of the day, if people are coming to see you, they want to see you play whatever you've got, you know, whether it's new stuff, old stuff. Like, I'm sure if you didn't play Sp- Splash Woman, though, someone might say something. I feel like of all the songs that you play, if that one was curiously missing, people were like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. I try to, you know, I, I will coyly at the very end, slyly just when I'm about to play Splash Woman say, all right, guys, I guess it's time to go. But if you want to hear any particular song, you know, this is the time to give me a request. And everyone says Splash Woman, you know, so yeah, <laughs> so I, I know what's going to happen at that point. So it's not like I wasn't going to play it. But at that point, I just know that it's coming. So I just give them that that time to yell it out like, yeah, yeah, it's coming. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been interesting just sorting out like what to play, when to play it learning new songs, learning old songs. Before this all went down, myself and MC Frontalot were planning a tour for May that mm-hmm. obviously isn't happening. But um, but we were really excited about it because when I saw him at PAX and we talked about it, he said, oh, we, we have to play like all of our collabs. You know that, right? And I was like, all of them? And, and then I thought <laughs> back like, oh, snap, we have collabs since 2008, you know, and that we've never played live. And and so yeah. it got me really excited to be able to play some things that didn't, you know, that have never really been heard live. So changing up the live show for the occasion, I think, is a really great thing. Totally. And I, pro- I imagine for you, it keeps it fresh, right? Like, even if... Like, what, you may not be bored of Splash Woman per se, but like playing songs that you've never played before kind of must reinvigorate the live show in a way that playing songs you've played before might not. Oh, absolutely. I'm looking forward to moments where I can play new songs. You know, I'm like, I want to squeeze them in there. And and I love to ask people like, hey, is it all right if I play something new? And then people get excited about it. But I have other people who tell me like, no, you, you know, other artists maybe will say like, no, play the hits, you know, like you need to play the hits. And I look at it like I'm excited to hear new music from like my favorites. Uh, I'm not exactly the guy who just wants to hear the hits, but a lot of people think that the average person only wants the hits. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like you'd be surprised what people actually want to hear. And like talking about new songs, like, 
you're also a person who won't hesitate to put out something based on something that's just out. Like you do have a toss a coin song uh, based on The Witcher, which is now a popular Netflix series. Do you find that when you're enjoying new stuff that you can just dig it and not have to worry about writing a song? Or does your brain automatically always go? Oh, that's interesting. Um, good question. I don't, my mind doesn't usually go towards it. And sometimes it, uh-huh. it, it, um, it almost makes me hesitant to talk about something I'm enjoying online. Because if I say uh-huh. it, if I tweet it like, man, I'm really digging The Witcher, someone's going to be like, Witcher song, when? You know, <laughs> um, yeah. it, it, it almost never fails, you know, where people want a song about everything. And I'm like, everything doesn't inspire me to write a song. You know, so sometimes I just want to enjoy it. But if it absolutely inspires me, then I'm like, okay, like I really love the Witcher series. So I watched the entire thing, then went back and was like, all right, I can do something with Toss a Coin. But I saw, you know, Toss a Coin blowing up and there being a hundred remixes online. And I immediately thought, oh, I can't do this. You know, (laughs) me, I'm a guy who likes to be first. So it's like either you're first or you're last to quote Ricky Bobby. Um, and, and yeah, like I just, I never want to be the last. So, um, uh, but in this case I was okay because I was the first hip hop remix, like no rappers even attempted anything with it. So I was like, all right, well that, that still feels cool. So what I did was I put it on Patreon and then it just got an overwhelming response, like super positive. And every once in a while when a Patreon song blows up you know then i know that all right this is something that i would like to share with the world and uh see what happens uh church was another one like that um we did it just for patreon and then people were like this is a banger you know and i'm like okay okay well we'll we'll release it you know so sometimes you know the the songs you know take on lives of their own and um and that was one of them so uh i was happy i did that but but yeah, there's not a time where everything I watch where, that I'm thinking, all right, let me get the pen and pad while I'm watching this and uh, come up with some ideas, you know. So it makes me a little hesitant to talk about what I'm really enjoying because sometimes I just want to literally enjoy it and not, you know, not go make it my work, you know. Um, so that's funny. I just said that a while back, a few questions ago, that making the things you love a part of your work is, is the key, but you can't do it with everything. Like, you absolutely can't. Like, you got to blur the line. Like, what is the thing that I do? Like, when I leave from in front of the computer for the day and I'm done work, I want to be able to completely unplug, not pick up the pen and pad and sit next to Netflix and go right back to work. You know, it, it will it would completely depress me if I didn't have a moment to unplug from thinking like a rapper, you know, and uh, yeah. so, yeah, I think you need that balance and you need those times to escape. And uh, so luckily, there's just more than enough great TV out there that allows me to completely escape. Right now, it's Ozark. I'm really into Ozark. And uh, oh, really interesting. Um, it's basically like Breaking Bad, but like <laughs> in the Midwest or something. But it's yeah. uh, but it's 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 just got me going like every episode. I'm like, oh, man, what's going to happen next? You know? And I haven't felt like that probably since Breaking Bad. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's a total unplug for me because this isn't something I'm going to write a song about. It isn't something that might inspire a, a verse or a line. It's just something to do to unplug from the daily grind. Yeah, totally. I get that. 
And I'm glad you brought up Church before, because Church is one of those songs that when I heard it, that Super Mario, uh, what is it, three, huh? like that, that, that instrumentation, like... I heard it and immediately went, oh, of course this is good for a song. Like, it just kind of broke my brain. Like, how could you not put an awesome, awesome song over that? Has there ever been video game music? We know, of course, Mega Man for sure. You've done tons of Mega Man music. But has there ever, ever been game music that you've returned to later and been like, oh, I need to do something with this? How, Like, kind of seeing the Matrix code after not seeing it for a while with certain music? Yeah, I kind of don't want to say what it is now because I'm actually working okay. on it right now. <laughs> but that's amazing. That's awesome. I will say that there's an old game that I really didn't I didn't give as much attention to at the time when it came out that I've been really into and I'm loving the music too and I really think it's going to be my next project. So, uh yeah, that's all I'll say, <laughs> but it definitely okay, happens. No. no, it surely but- happens, but um yeah, this is this is one particular time. I think with me being at home a lot has helped. But um, yeah, it's been something that it's just kind of been sitting, you know, on a shelf in the collection for a long time. And I went back and I was like, oh, wait a minute. There's actually some really good stuff here. So now I have some ideas. So hopefully you'll hear that in the next few months. That's amazing. That's sort of like a scoop. Like we know that you're working on something really cool. So that's always good to hear. Um, I. I actually just saw it today. I hadn't heard it yet, but you did a, a remake of another classic of yours, Wiley's Revenge, uh, recently. What inspired you to revisit that? Because that one's one that, like, like Splash Woman, like you've been doing for a while. And we just talked about how Splash Woman, you feel like, like you don't want to update. You like that's what it is. Wiley's Revenge, you did. What made you feel inspired to do that? Hmm, that that is an interesting one. Honestly, it was the level of respect and love and care that went into the remix beat that made me mm-hmm. made me do that. I'm just such a big fan of John of the CFOs who made that track, and um, he's done so many like epic themes for uh, wrestlers. And yep. I'm such a big fan of his work. And uh, the fact that again through video games we became friends and. He told me, look, I really love Dr. Wiley's theme. And I'm like, well, everybody does. It's, it's a great song. <laughs> and um, and he was really into it, and he wanted to remake it. And he sent me the track, and I just loved it so much, and that's what made me do it. And again, it was, a, it was just going to be a Patreon situation. I was like, well, I'll do it, but I feel like I already nailed Wiley. Like, I, I think I nailed it. Like, it's, it's good to go the way it is. And um, But then he's like, but what if... Dr. Wiley had another, like, a last word, you know? And I was just like, hmm. And I sat down with it again and came up with some new ideas. And I don't know. I've I've gotten recently into the idea of remakes covering, like, my old stuff and, you know, just shining it up, making it better. Maybe the whole, um, maybe I think the whole Final Fantasy VII and the Black Material remake has got me into that mood. But... I have been into the idea of re-releasing a lot of older songs, like with with new mixes, new coats of paint, uh, you know, live versions, uh, things like that. So, um, because there's so much music already out there, you know, a person looks at my Bandcamp page and could get completely overwhelmed. So, right. Um, instead of being like, all right, I'm going to write something new, uh, I think that we can touch up what we have 
re-release, remix, and there's just so many opportunities and options within this catalog of stuff. Um, and anytime I feel a chance to make something better than it was, then I'm all about it. And uh, I think that that was the case with Wiley. I was like, I think I won't do it unless it's better. And uh, and that's what it was. I think it, it came out better. Yeah. I mean, I would agree. It's phenomenal. I mean, it's, that's one of my favorite tracks. And this version is like, it just, it hits in a new way that I never even thought possible. So um, the last thing I wanted to ask before we wrap up is we're in a unique position now, right? We're all, we're quarantined. We're staying home. You know, a lot of folks like you who would normally be out there going city to city uh, is now stuck at home. And I'm sure a lot of your fans are also stuck at home, maybe a little listless. Do you have any advice on how to get through this time on maybe some things you're doing to keep yourself relaxed or to like come down from the, the heaviness of everything around you? Um, a couple things. I think uh, one is trying to stay on a schedule the best you can um, with yeah. me. Like, I make sure, okay, if I'm working from, I don't know, 12 to 5, then I make sure that after that, I completely pull away. Um, I do my best to try to avoid distractions. And then and then I give myself the reward of a distraction after I've done a little bit of work. Um, also, using this time to pick up new skills, new hobbies, try new things. Um, uh, when I talk about eliminating distractions, I think for me, what's helped is putting a limit on the time that I'm on Instagram or Twitter or social media. I have a timer on my phone that will shut down after an hour of use for the day. And I'm just like, okay, I can't do it anymore. Time to go do something else. And um, that's been really helpful. Um, also using this, like using the internet to your disposal, picking up new skills. Like I said, I've been putting together a computer, putting together a studio, uh, reading more books. Um, I think just using this time while we have it to to be better people i think will make us uh better equipped when this is over you know to to appreciate and enjoy life so i'd say use the time as wisely as you can to pick up something new like this is the time to add a new weapon to your arsenal you know to become better at the thing that you've been putting off forever that's great. That's wise words um, that I'm taking to heart as I overschedule myself and have 18 podcasts. Uh, I uh, I can relate to wanting to schedule yourself. So, um, uh, Megaran, I really appreciate you taking the time. It's uh, It's been a pleasure knowing you out in this world, seeing all the awesome stuff you do. I love chatting with you and catching up whenever we get to. Um, to wrap up the show, I'm going to ask you to do me one favor. We have a saying on the show, which is music is life. And life is good. It's this idea that as long as you're creating art of some kind or interacting with art of some kind, life isn't that bad. And so I'd love for you to just sign off the show with that. Hey, y'all, this is Mega Ran. Music is life and life is good. That's it for this episode of Crash Chords Autographs. Our theme music is by Michael Kill. Our logo was designed by Case Aiken and Joey Amans. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. You'll help us reach more listeners. Questions, comments, or guest recommendations? Email matt.storm at crashchords.com or hit us up on Twitter at CrashchordsWeb. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Victor Devon, and I am the host of We Burlesque, the podcast. Every Monday, I talk to fabulous denizens of nightlife, including burlesque performers, both seasoned and new to the form, drag performers, performance artists, DJs, and artists who make up their respective scenes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. 
please visit weberless.com to check out episode recaps and see all the formats available. And remember that music is life. Life is good. <laughs>